0: Welcome to Pop Culture. I'm Bridget Armstrong. And let's kick this off with the Pop 5. The moment we've all been waiting for has finally arrived. I'm number one. I'm the only one. Beyonce's renaissance is here. And I don't know about you, but it's already changed my life. Just as we predicted, the dance album is exactly what we need after being in the house for two years. Beyonce said the album is a tribute to her queer uncle and inspired by queer icons. And I don't have to tell you how much people are loving this music. I'm sure you can see it all up and down your timeline. And if you look at the iTunes top charts, five out of the 10 top songs are from this album, with Alien Superstar at number one. But not everybody was happy about this release. I hate you so much right now. Singer Khalees is a little salty. You can't really tell, but Beyonce's song Energy.
1: Just Features a bit
0: of Kalisa's hit Milkshake. My milkshake brings all our boys to the yard and they're like it's better than yours. Right. And Kaleese said she found out that she was on the album at the same time as the rest of us. Pharrell is credited on the song and Kalisa has an ongoing beef with him. She says he swindled her out of the rights to a lot of her early music. But Kalisa accused both Beyoncé and Pharrell of theft. Originally, it seemed like the song was going to credit Khalees, but her name has since been removed. Beyoncé also got some criticism from activists who say she used an ableist slur on the song Heated. The word is spaz. And if that sounds familiar, it's because Lizzo was called out for the same thing not too long ago. And just like Lizzo, Beyoncé's team released a statement saying the word will be replaced. Shout out to Beyoncé for addressing people's concerns. But I don't think any of this controversy is going to overshadow this album. I mean, do you hear this? Taylor Swift is topping some lists too, but not one she wants to be on. A sustainability firm based in the UK found that T-Swift, had the worst private jet CO2 emissions so far this year. But a rep from her team pushed back saying Taylor isn't even on that jet most of those times because she loans it out to people. And I'm not sure that makes it any better. Kylie Jenner also made the list. Remember when she was accused of using her jet to take a three minute ride that would have taken 40 minutes in the car? I mean, what level of rich is that? Over the weekend, we lost two legends, basketball great Bill Russell and TV pioneer Nichelle Nichols. Russell was 88 and Nichols was 89. Fans are remembering their legacies and the barriers they broke. A lot of people say Russell was the best basketball player of all time. He earned 11 championship rings throughout his career. And Nichelle Nichols was one of the first Black women on television to have a starring role in a major show. She played Lieutenant Uhura on the original Star Trek series.
2: Captain, both amplitude and
0: frequency modulation being used. I think I can pick up something visual. And it was a big deal at the time when there were so few Black people on television. Even Martin Luther King Jr. was a fan of hers. She also shared one of the first interracial kisses in television history when she kissed Captain Kirk on Star Trek. Both she and Bill Russell will be remembered as the giants they were. They both definitely lived long and prospered. Why won't Will Smith leave us alone? I love Big Willie style as much as the next person, but just when we had finally started to forget about the slap heard round Hollywood, here he comes drudging it all up again with yet another apology. Chris, I apologize to you, Uh, my behavior was unacceptable and I'm here whenever you're ready to talk. Smith released a fairly lengthy YouTube apology in which he apologized to what seemed like the whole Rock family. Maybe Will Smith sincerely feels bad, or maybe he's trying to salvage the projects he lost after the slap. But either way, Chris Rock doesn't seem to be buying it. Smith said he reached out to Rock, but was told he wasn't ready to talk. But Rock made a joke about this latest apology during a show he had over the weekend, where he accused people of playing the victim, called Will Smith Suge Smith, and said anyone who says words hurt has never been punched in the face. And after 40 days and 40 nights, I finally have my life back. Love Island UK season eight has come to an end and spoiler alert, we got the winners we deserve.
1: The winners of Love Island 2022
2: are... <laughs> Ek and Davide!
0: Congrats to Ek and Davide. Ek and Sue terrorized the villa for weeks, and I've never seen a man more in love with himself than Davide. And I loved every single moment that they were on my screen. They are hands down my favorite Love Island couple of all time. And finally, the Fiat 500 crew has been defeated. I wonder if Ek and Sue and Davide's love is going to last. They're both complete narcissists, so maybe they're compatible. I wonder if they did their birth charts. Is narcissist a sign? Honestly, ever since I started working on this next part of the episode, birth charts, zodiac signs, moon signs, Mercury's in retrogrades, and Jupiter's being in the 11th house is all I can think about. You've probably noticed that astrology is having a bit of a moment right now. You can't log into Twitter, IG, or TikTok without seeing a horoscope, a meme about your sign, or a joke about toxic Scorpio men. People list their sun, moon, and rising signs in their profile and make friends based on their charts. One study found that 75% of millennials and Gen Zers believe that astrology works, and a surprising number turn to astrology for dating advice. But the astrology of today isn't exactly the astrology of our parents' generation. So how do we go from this? I guess you would like to have your fortune. Well, yes. gonna be
2: able to construct your horoscope. Okay.
1: And my name is Ray. What is all this astrology business?
0: I don't know how many of you people believe in astrology.
1: I I am a Sagittarius. The most philosophical of all the signs. To this. Things I would never do to each zodiac sign. For Aries, I would never give them a bunch of responsibilities at certain times throughout the day. we are breaking down the Kardashian-Jenner family tree astrologically. Today,
0: we are ranking the moon signs, most to least chaotic, so let's get into it.
2: Zodiac signs who are manipulators. Uh, First, we have the OG manipulator, Cancer. Cancer will make you have a whole
0: identity crisis.
2: I think so many people resonate with just hearing about their sun sign, and then when they find out that there's so much more to that, you have a whole chart, then you can just fall down the rabbit hole so easily, which is what happened to me 10 years ago.
0: (laughs) That's Kira Taborn. She's an astrologer and educator known for the astrology podcast and platform.
2: I have a Scorpio sun, an Aries moon, and a Pisces rising.
0: Today on Pop Culture, a conversation about astrology. It went from being a New Age belief practiced by hippies... To being a memeified way for millennials to express their identity. But how are Gen Zers and millennials applying astrology to their everyday lives? And why are so many of us so fascinated with the cosmos? When it comes to astrology, you might know about horoscopes and your zodiac sign. But astrology, for some people, is an entire system of beliefs that they use to analyze themselves, their decisions, and the world around them. It's not a religion, and it's not science. It's a way of thinking about the universe and their place in it.
2: I guess the most simple way to put it is astrology is the study of the movement of the planets and celestial objects through the zodiac belt, through the sky, and the relationship between those movements and what happens down here on Earth. Essentially, it boils down to as above, so below. So most astrologers, we're not saying that like because the sun is in Leo, therefore this is happening to you. It's not so much of a cause and effect, even though it does sound like that. <laughs> um, just because I think language is is limited, but really, what we're describing is a synchronicity or a mirroring of what happens up in the sky and what happens down here on Earth. And that goes from all levels, from like the weather to our politics, to our interpersonal relationships, to what's happening inside of our bodies, what's happening spiritually, emotionally, etc. Humans have been looking
0: up at the stars, trying to figure out what the heck it all means since, well, since... The practice of studying the cosmos and our relationship to it, what we know as astrology, goes back to ancient BC times. In ancient China, Babylon, Sumeria, Rome, Egypt, Greece, humans were practicing their own forms of astrology. And at some point during the first millennium, through conquering and the sharing of culture, aspects of these disparate forms of astrology came together and formed the basis for astrology that many in the Western world still practice today, known as Hellenistic astrology.
2: It's really important to recognize how astrology has been very popular throughout the ages and then has gone through super intense declines and had basically become obsolete or just secretive in certain times as well and then come back again and then fall away again.
0: Before the current resurgence, the most recent period of popularity for astrology was the New Age movement in the 1960s and 70s. And then for a while, astrology was relegated to weekly horoscopes and cheap pickup lines. But over the last decade, all of that changed.
2: When I started 10 years ago, no one knew what a rising sign was. Like, I was just the freak at the party, doing people's charts, and talking to people about their lives. No one knew what the fuck I was doing.
0: There are a lot of theories about why astrology has made a comeback, and a lot of people think it's because we turn to astrology in times of turmoil.
1: I'm Elizabeth Galino. I'm a senior writer at Refinery29. I am an Aries Sun, a Sagittarius Moon, and an Aquarius Rising.
0: Elizabeth writes about astrology, and she points to the uncertainty we've all felt over the last few years to explain our fascination with it.
1: Especially 2016, that was an uncertain time with when Trump got elected. Also, 2020, the pandemic, that was something a lot of us have never experienced before in our lifetimes. In times of uncertainty, people want things that reassure us that we can look to and say, I know this to be true, or this makes me feel seen or secure. And so that's kind of why people have been turning to astrology. And I think on that like collective level, it's also, you can compare it to a religion. I know it's not the same thing, but it's kind of the same sense of answers. Like we want answers for something and to turn to this gives us that fulfillment in that way. So on a collective level, like there's a new moon tonight, for example, and that means new beginnings or like it's a great time for manifesting. And you know that. And it can also give you a reason as to why like things are happening. For example, if your ex reaches back out to you or you fumble in a work meeting or something bad happens, you can look to astrology and say, oh, Mercury is retrograde right now. That's why things are happening. And it sort of just makes you feel better in that moment or just gives you an explanation because uncertainty is scary. And not knowing a reason for something also is just very anxiety inducing for people. Religion has kind
0: of lost its grip on millennials and Gen Zers. They're way less likely than their parents to say they identify with a particular religion. And for some, astrology offers something that religion didn't.
1: I think religion is a wonderful thing for people if that's what if that's what you follow, if that's what you believe in. But I think a lot of people, especially in like the queer community, have felt discluded from certain religions or certain people who follow those religions. So astrology is more inclusive, it feels, in a way. It's not very gendered. It doesn't have this set of rules that turns away somebody else. Like anyone can practice astrology, believe in astrology, and it's not like meant for a specific set of people. It's meant for everyone. And it's just fun to think about yourself. Most people are naturally curious about why they are the way they are. I think we want to know who we are. We want something to identify with and to tell other people who we are and just to feel safe and secure in ourselves and who we are. And that's why, you know, the Myers-Briggs test is so popular. It's why people argue over whether or not they're a Carrie or a Samantha or a Miranda or a Charlotte. And it's why you like, you're drawn to things that show other people who you are also while also figuring out who you are inside. Another
0: reason astrology might be having a moment, it's a lot more accessible now.
1: I think our access to it has become much more prevalent because of the internet back in the 90s or even the early 2000s, it was something you would flip to the back of a magazine and read a couple of sentences about how your month was going to go or how your day was going to go. And with the rise of memes and Instagram and now TikTok, it's much more prevalent and it's much more around us. And it's something that's not that hard to understand, especially when you're talking about pop astrology, which is also sun sign astrology. So most people who aren't that well-versed in astrology know their sun sign at least. And that's something that you can connect to, or if you see it out in the wild, you know that you're an Aries, you know that you're a Libra, or you know that you're an Aquarius, and you know those few traits that sort of are supposed to describe you. And you find like community in these comments, where someone's like, my Venus is in the fourth house, and it's ruled by Gemini, and then someone else will comment back and be like, me too, and it'll create this bond between people. And I think now, a lot more websites have been reporting on the rise of astrology and have even taken to writing horoscopes themselves. I think you can argue that for a lot of the years in the 2000s that it's been uncertain and people are looking for things that make sense to them, that they can make sense of and that they can see themselves in as well. And it's not
0: just that memes about our sun signs are everywhere. It's easier now to have a deeper understanding of astrology. Back in the day, you probably had to buy a book or listen to a lecture to figure out your moon sign or how to do your chart. But now there's an app for that
1: all these apps like costar and the pattern and time passages have made it much more accessible to not not only just know your own sun sign but know your big three know where all the planets fall in your chart know what transits you have in your chart like if your moon is squaring saturn at the time you're born and what that means for your personality like it goes so deep and it's fun it's fun to learn about and i mean you can't teach someone how to read a birth chart in just one single piece or one single magazine
0: Kira, the astrologer, also has some theories about why millennials and Gen Zers are gravitating towards astrology. One is our collective fascination with the
2: stars. 90s kids, 80s kids even have this thing with space. I think we grew up with like NASA just being this really cool thing and space being super fascinating. And I think there's just like this inherent connection that we have to the planets, especially as 90s kids. And she
0: says she and other astrologers believe the planets have an explanation as well.
2: It was 2018 when there was like a witch resurgence almost. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when things really started to ramp up was 2018. People just started getting a lot more into witchiness and reclaiming the word, the title of a witch and all of that. That's when it started to get really popular. And I kind of attribute that, I'm not the only person who would say this, but I attribute that to... Jupiter moving through Scorpio, which only happens about every 12 years, awakened the Pluto and Scorpio generation, and that has so much to do with what's hidden, what's mysterious, what's beneath the surface, a lot of darker, witchy, shadowy things. So you get it.
0: There are a lot of theories on why more people are looking to the cosmos for answers these days. To respond to astrology's growing popularity, more and more media companies are bringing back the horoscopes and leaning into the memification of the zodiac. Because Elizabeth writes about astrology, she talks to a lot of astrologers, and they say there's a topic that keeps coming up in their readings.
1: They say that their most common readings are love readings and When you think about that, that's also something that's super uncertain in our lives. And you kind of need answers to that because there really are no answers when it comes to love and dating. So that also just gives someone reassurance on whether or not they've picked the right person or the wrong person. Or maybe if something bad happened between you and another person, you can chalk it up to their Mars being in the wrong sign.
0: Turns out Gen Zers and millennials take this all really seriously. MTV did a study of people ages 14 to 29 and found that 65% regularly read their horoscopes. And about a third of the people surveyed said they make dating decisions based on astrology. But a lot of people respond to all of this with a big dose of skepticism.
1: I would say a lot of my cis male friends would react to that way when they ask sort of what I write about. So I write about more than astrology. I also write about like health, wellness, sex, work, money, things like that. But when I say I write about astrology, they're like, that's not real. Or, oh, that's ridiculous or fake or why do people like it so much? I think you could tell a lot about a person about the way they respond to astrology. They don't have to believe in it or not or like love it. But if they dismiss it in a way that also tells you about a person like they may not be as open-minded or accepting if they immediately think you're ridiculous for liking something.
0: But Elizabeth recognizes that there are a lot of people who, to some degree, do believe in astrology.
1: And because of that, there are some lines she won't cross when writing about it. We never want to use astrology as something that could scare people. Like, we really like to do it in a positive way. So even if you look at our Mercury retrograde post, it's still like how you can prepare how to make the most out of it. We don't like to fear monger and I think that's the same for a lot of astrologers out there who do readings and also post their own horoscopes like there's never a this day will be the worst day ever it's how to deal with it and how to harness his energy in a more positive way which I think is super important because there's already a lot of upsetting things out there online and in the world and you don't want to add to that so you want to use astrology as more of a positive tool.
0: Okay, so we've talked about why astrology is making a comeback and why people love it so much. Now let's talk about our favorite subject, me. I asked Kira to do a reading for me, and let me just say, it was fun, eye opening, and a little haunting. But before we get into all of that, let's do a little astrology starter kit the main things you need to know when going into a reading. First off, Astrology deals with the personal and the collective. Think about it like your sign or your horoscope versus us all dealing with Mercury being in retrograde. There's a whole side of astrology that deals with what we're collectively going through. But for our purposes today, we're gonna deal with the personal. Kira told me that the astrology she practices is based on a fourfold system.
2: Planets, signs, houses, and aspects
0: You already know what a planet is and the signs. Just remember, the signs are the section of the zodiac that the planets move
2: through. What you learn when you learn astrology, especially traditional astrology, is that certain planets really love certain signs and do really well in certain signs, and some planets really do poorly in certain signs or hate being there.
0: You can think of the houses kind of like a neighborhood.
2: The houses are the ways that we divide up our sky from the perspective of Earth. So those are really important. And the the 12 houses um, represent 12 different areas of life that the signs and the planet's energy play out within. And then there are the aspects. When you look at a chart, you'll see like a lot of different lines in the middle. They're called aspects, but they really are our angles. And I like to think of them as like conversations. Like some aspects are more tense, like the 90 degree angle, the square, the opposition, which is 180 degrees when two planets are opposite one another in the sky. Like that's kind of a tense conversation that they're having. Don't worry, we'll make
0: sense of all of this in a second. But just remember, these four things come together to create your chart. And if you've never seen a chart before, I'm staring at mine right now. It's a circle split into 12 portions, kind of like a pie. There are numbers that look like degrees and symbols that look like the zodiac sign. And then there are all these crisscross lines in a circle in the middle of the circle. To an untrained eye, it kind of looks like an ancient puzzle they would find in a movie that holds the key to the universe. But apparently, it's the key to understanding yourself. So in order to determine all of this and put the chart together, Kira asked me for some information before we talked.
2: Yeah, you gave me your birthday, the day, month, and year, the time that you were born, and the location that you were born. And from that, we're essentially looking at a snapshot of the cosmos from the perspective of where you were at that moment in in space and time. And that matters because when you become manifest in this world, in this physical reality, when you are birthed, you're essentially becoming a a talisman or a crystallized form of that moment in space and time. And so the time and location and the day, all of that matters so much because that sky looks different in Uganda versus in Los Angeles versus in Paris versus in Australia.
0: So Kira got my information and it was time to start. In full disclosure, I'm not like a full-on cis male skeptic, but I'm definitely a novice and a person who feels like they've gotten through life wonderfully just knowing their sun sign and that I shouldn't date Leo men. So first thing I learned about a reading, always have an actual question. I don't even know where to start. Like, pretend I am a client and I'm asking my chart to be read. Mm-hmm. Where would you start? What information do you give first? How would this go?
2: Well, the way I do it is I always require my clients to ask, actually ask me a question. Because the thing is, is that I'm looking at your chart. It's as if you were standing in front of me and you were like, tell me about me. You know, like I can say anything, you know, like this is literally me looking at your life and all different angles, essentially. So I can kind of give you a, a little forecast for your 34th year. Or if you're just like, you know, what is my sun, moon and rising?
0: I don't even know that. So let's start there. What's my sun, (laughs) moon, and rising? (laughs) Let me just jump in here to explain the sun, moon, and rising. You heard Kira and Elizabeth introduce themselves with theirs. Sometimes it's called the big three. That's a term that Kira hates. But basically, your sun sign is the one you probably already know. Gemini, Cancer, Aquarius, what have you. The zodiac basically refers to the 12 constellations that our sun's path moves through. Kira told me that at any given time, the sun is moving through those zodiac signs, and where the sun was when you were born, that's your sun sign. We also have a moon sign, and that's the sign the moon was in when you were born. Then we also have our rising sign.
2: The rising sign is the sign that was rising or ascending. It's also called your ascendant sign the sign that was ascending on the eastern horizon at the moment that you were born. The time matters because that sign changes about every two hours. And that's actually more important than any of the other signs. Sun sign astrology became popularized about 100 years ago. But before that, your sun sign wasn't the most important. Your rising sign was. And that rising sign speaks directly to you, who you are, what you look like, your identity and sort of the general vibe and you could say cadence of your life as well. Okay, so drum roll, please. So you're an Aries sun, Taurus moon, and Virgo rising. And we like to take it a step further the rising sign is really important, but you want to look to the planet that rules the rising sign for even more information because that planet is essentially your avatar. It's like you in planet form and speaks a lot to your identity and who you are and how you show up in the world. So for you, that's going to be your Mercury in Aries. So you're super Aries.
0: I'm very Aries. I've been told this before. <laughs> OK, that's a good start. I like what you said earlier. What What will my 34th year be like?
2: So, you just turned 34 a couple of months ago in April. And for you, well, I guess I'm going to ask you first how was 33? Was it a bit career year or vocation oriented year? Yes. I, I
0: started this job, in fact, um, right after, literally two weeks after my 33rd birthday.
2: Awesome. Yeah. You have something really, that's a really beautiful aspect of your chart that I want to point out, which is you have Venus and in, in Gemini. Exactly conjunct the midheaven.
0: Honestly, at this point, Kira had almost lost me. I was confused. But she basically explained that midheaven is like the highest point in the chart. Think of it like when the sun is at its highest in the sky.
2: It's like the most visible part of the chart. So a planet being there is very visible and it becomes this part of your public persona, your public identity, and it will often describe the roles that you have, your titles, how you're known and how you're remembered, especially in regards to a career or vocation context. So you having Venus there, I would imagine that what's most visible about you is is Venus. So love, beauty, connection, anything having to do with aesthetics, anything having to do with relationships and connecting with people,
0: I like this part, of course, because who doesn't want to hear that they're a beautiful lover girl?
2: That's kind of the most visible and obvious part of who you are to others. But the fact that it's in Gemini kind of adds another layer to it. It makes it a lot more about communication and connecting with people through means of communication, essentially, whether that be writing or audio or digital, what have you. So I just had to point that out. And that's when you were 33, that part of your chart became activated. So it makes sense to me that you got this job (laughs) when you were 33. But 34 is interesting. Kira
0: told me that when we turn 34, our 11th house is activated. And in the same way that you can expect career themes in your 33rd year, community becomes a lot more important during year 34
2: the people that you surround yourself with, your networks, your groups, your friends, and, and being able to place yourself amongst others. And it becomes a lot about like your identity within groups, within organizations, again, groups of larger people, um, brotherhood, sisterhood, siblinghood. But I'm thinking this is bigger than that. You know, social media communities and more professional networks
0: Next up, I asked Kira the million dollar question. Am I going to find a man? I mean, what's going to happen? Like, Mm. what is on the dating forecast? Does this chart tell you anything about that?
2: Oh my gosh. Yes, actually. um, This makes me want to pull up more charts, but I won't go that deep. Um, (laughs) I'm going to look at your solar return. Okay, okay. Um, Yeah, I do think that will happen for you. And I'm going to, I'm just kind of. Taking a peek real quick to see if other things support that. When was your last sort of relationship?
0: So my last serious relationship ended in terribleness mm. in 2019.
2: I do think something is coming for you. There's um, a couple things that make me think that. One, we have Saturn is going to be entering Pisces. So when I look at your chart in regards to relationships, I'm gonna look at the seventh house, which is the house of relationships and the other and partners. And for you, it's Pisces. You have your north node there. Um, It's a point in the sky that sort of has a lot to do with your soul's yearning and your destiny. So Saturn is going to be entering your seventh house. It's gonna enter Pisces in March of next year. And that's a big deal. It's been in Aquarius since early 2020, essentially, and it's it's been a doozy. Boy, has it! As it moves into Pisces, it's going to bring a huge focus and weight into this part of your chart, having to do with relationships and partnerships. But yeah, I can kind of see how Saturn's been making you wait kind of like how Kira is making me wait to find out if the
0: universe is going to send me a man.
2: I'm really hopeful for you about next like spring summer to be honest. There's some cute stuff happening, especially let me um let me try to Would you like me to narrow it down for you or, or do you want to sure. kind of be more surprised? No, I want to want
0: to be there waiting. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to say on.
2: Yes, the Aries, the Aries comes out. So, yeah, the spring gonna Kira explained that my Jupiter, Earth, Jupiter Earth, is going to so return gonna a couple of
0: times to some places it was when I was born or something like that. Honestly, there was a lot about Jupiter, but the main point April, came down to this.
2: Um, late April of next year. So between April and May, you get some nice Jupiter and Aries juice. So I'm really loving June of next year for you. Mm-hmm. And really, all you have to do is just. Keep doing your thing. I think you're going to be with someone who's foreign, (laughs) foreign to who you are, you know. I do too. (laughs) Yeah, it's in your chart. So if you're traveling next spring to stay looking cute, I don't know you at all. Obviously, we don't know each other. But you really prioritize pleasure and comfort and like quality. And so being in those spaces, like that's also where your partner is, is what I'm saying.
0: So y'all all all heard that. I'm going to get a foreign man next June who's going to wine and dine me. Okay, so after hearing all this, maybe you want to start your own astrology journey. Kira and Elizabeth have some do's and don'ts.
1: So I think if you're getting an astrology reading and they say you're not compatible with someone or this person's a bad person because of something based on their sign, that is not a valid astrologer and you should not be listening to them. Because astrologers will say, even if you don't have a compatible chart, that doesn't mean you can't work through things. You don't want to write off something just because your birth chart says it.
2: People sometimes start to look into their own astrology and are reading things online and they'll come to me and they'll say like, my so effed up. I have a crazy chart and I've looked at thousands and thousands of charts like no one's chart is that messed up. Most of the time it's not as bad as you think and you're just in your own head about it and so I'm always gonna say get a reading from an astrologer. Like have someone walk through this with you especially if you're going deep. Never freak out about a Mercury retrograde, they're really, it's really not that bad. (laughs) I I think retrogrades, especially Mercury retrogrades, can be so helpful and so useful and if people learn to not freak out about it and to like just use them like for editing and going back and redoing things and revising things, like we have these built-in like revision times in the year. I think that's pretty cool.
0: And remember, as you're looking at memes and following astrology influencers, this is all supposed to be helpful and
2: fun. There's plenty of astrologers who are making, like, good content, essentially, (laughs) and it's important to find those people. But I would say, like, if you're consuming content that makes you feel anxious, then, like, it's probably not it. That's probably not the right content for you.
0: That's it for us today. I'm Bridget Armstrong, host and senior producer of the podcast. Alaysha Key is the show's producer. She had production help from Blake Lou Merwin. Andrew Calloway is our senior engineer, and he had engineering help from Ellie McAfee-Hahn. Graylin Brashear is our senior director of audio. Big thanks to Kira Taborn and Elizabeth Galino for talking to me. We'll have links to their work and to their platforms in the show notes. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode. And in the meantime, be sure to rate, subscribe, and tell a friend.